From Westside Church in Bend, Oregon, you're listening to Behind the Message. Each week we take you behind what we teach here at Westside. I'm Ben Fleming. And I'm Evan Earwicker, and we are in week two of a new series called Wholehearted here at Westside. And the series is diving into the concept of single-minded devotion to the person and purpose of Jesus to the exclusion of every more enticing or impressive alternative. And this past weekend, our lead pastor, Pastor Steve Mickle, preached a message showing us the ways that a flourishing life requires a whole heart. So good to be with you, Steve. Hey, it's great to be with you guys. And Steve, you just returned from a speaking, sorry, not speaking, but a study break yeah. in August. Talk to us a little bit about the value of that and how that looks for you. Yeah, it was funny. Somebody came up and said, so you're on a study break? Does that mean you're not studying? <laughs> and, uh, there was a student at the college and I was like, no, it means I am studying. So yeah, it was great. I take, uh, uh, I usually only take about two weeks in August, but I end up being about three or almost four because of the smoke. And uh, I just get away and pray with God and read the scripture and think about what um, he wants to say to the church um, this coming uh, fall as well as uh, next year. While you were gone, we had kind of a smattering of different speakers. We had, uh, I think in in consecutive weeks, there was Evan spoke and then Mike Alexander spoke, Spencer spoke, I spoke, and then we were back with Bo. Um, What what is that like for you to have kind of a culture where where that happens with the platform? What's the church's response to that? What's that process been like being able to put that in place? It's amazing, Ben. I wish more pastors had what we have here because in churches, generally, um, the pastors are just, you know, they're trying to, they're working so hard to come up with messages every weekend, and uh, it's rough. It's really tough to to just come with a good word every weekend. Um, And I mean, to be honest, it's tough when I'm doing three in a row. Right, um, yeah. that by the time the third one rolls around, everybody's like, man, I wish we could have had Bo or Ben or somebody <laughs> else, you know? <laughs> and so it's, it's, uh, it's really a blessing for our church. And, uh, and I think the church responds. I've only heard positive. Um, every once in a while I'll get somebody that says, oh, I wish the lead pastor would speak more than, than he does, but that's rare. It's mo- more often than not. I, people are so thankful that we have such a breadth, uh, and depth of, uh, of speakers in our church. And it seems so natural. It's, I mean, you are, obviously the the definitive leader, but it's not like when you're gone, at least for me, even just the days that I get to show up on the weekends and I'm not helping lead worship or volunteering with anything, I just show up. You never just feel like, at least I don't, like, man, there's just, it just feels like there's something missing or, or something is below quality or not where we should be. It feels so natural. Did it take a while? You guys have been here a lot longer than I did. Did it take a while for the church to really adjust into to something like this? Um, I, I think that when, Steve, you took over uh, the church, um, one of the changes that I noticed uh, was a move, not that Ken was, you know, this dictator-style leader, no. uh, but definitely um, I think I shift away from even more so this personality-feeling service yeah. where everyone's looking for the lead guy to make yep. sure everything's okay and that everything's, yep. you know, passing through that guy. And, um, I think that's not your leadership style. No. And so as we've seen that, how long have you been lead pastor? Four, four years. So in four years, I think that we are well past even that thought. Yeah, for like, sure. If Steve's not here, everything's going to go wrong. Yeah. You know, when I first took over, um, when I walk into a room or if I walked into the sanctuary even, uh, or I came into a meeting at the church office, people were just, they just stopped talking. 
And he's kind of like, well, what does the bishop have to say? <laughs> and either I didn't have anything to say or I chose not to say it intentionally. And Ken was already had a, he had a, the former lead pastor had a speaking team. He was only speaking about 60% of the time. I'm doing about mm-hmm. the same. But even Ken would say the style in which we go about teaching as a team is completely different than it was when Ken was senior pastor. We, we weren't really talking about um, a lot of messages back then. Um, now we talk about what series are we going to do, and it's a team approach to messages, and it's really, I think, we're all better preachers as a result of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about your message from this past week on uh, having a whole heart. Uh, a, a really strong thought, I thought, that came through the whole message was this concept of everything hinges on the wholeness of our heart. Everything yeah. comes back to, are we a whole person? Not do we do good things, not do we have you know, some things in place, but at the core of us is our heart whole. And you kind of walk yeah. through your own. Or at least becoming whole, Evan. I yeah. think I think the idea that um, our hearts will someday be perfect and whole and I'll be, I mean, I'll be, I'll be this really well put together person. I'm not so sure that's ever going to happen, mm. but at least I'm pointed, I hope I'm pointed in the right direction and I hope people are as well. That's what I, because I think you're right. I think so much does hinge on that. Like if we're not becoming whole, it's really hard to give God our whole heart when it's shattered and broken and divided and, and we don't even know who we are. And, and I think that's the brilliance of what God does is that as we get closer to him, he helps mend our hearts, which enable us to be even closer to him. And, you know, it's just layer after layer of just this continued relational um, wholeness. And you shared a moment when you went to our leadership team, our executive team, and just opened up with where you were at in your kind of journey of wholeness. Um, share that again for our listeners, if you would. The Yeah, the my journey of wholeness was um, really hard, Evan. It was very much like I realized I am broken. I am not good. I am not healthy. And I had to get to a place of recognizing that um, I'm a mess, and that's okay. And when I sit down with the team to talk to them about um, – how broken I actually was, it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Even though the people surrounding me love me, got my back, they're for me. And I, Evan, that's the hardest thing I think for people to do is to say, do I have relationships that I can trust, even spouses, that I could actually share what's really going on? And will I, will I be rejected? Will I be like turned away or will I be embraced? It is the question that must be answered in our hearts before we'll ever be um, open and honest about our brokenness. And I think some of that leads back into what a lot of, a lot of pastors and leaders, really not even just pastors, but a lot of us feel like we, like we, we even say these things like, no, no, I'm going to be open. And I know that I'm a broken person and all that, but there's still this certain percentage of us that's like, yeah, but I still want you to think I've got it together, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I'm and I'm broken, and I'm authentic for the reason of being relatable, and not for actually being broken in front of you. And I think that's the barrier that you're talking about because I think there's a certain amount of brokenness that we allow other people, even in public spaces, to see, whether it's social media or from a stage or a platform or at work. But it's that that last remaining percentage yeah. that really we want to keep under wraps because that we feel like will tip the scales. For yeah, them. it's the darker stuff, right? That and and listen, I'm not a navel gazer. I'm not into like, oh, I'm such a bad person, you know, and all and constantly thinking about how broken I am. 
I mean, I'm just not, that is no way to live, but there are seasons in life where it becomes really obvious that my relationships are only able to go so far. And I'm including this with, in my family. I mean, it's become very clear to me through my situation is that I keep arm's length with the people closest to me. Mm. They might be closer um, to me than they were a decade ago. Right. And that's great. And I celebrate that. But the reality is, is there's still a barrier between me and those that, that love me the most. And that's, that's a problem. I mean, that, because we could, we could be experiencing something much better, much greater than what we are. But my, my stuff gets in the way. I guess the argument would be that, no, there's like a certain amount, like, yeah, I think the phrase, I don't really want to air all my dirty laundry to, to these people. <laughs> I think that would be the argument back from that is like, well, you shouldn't be there. So I guess I'll just ask straight up. Should there be an amount of something in our own lives that is yeah, like, cause, cause that what, we don't unleash on anyone? <laughs> what life coach is going to be like, you need to find a thousand people and tell them your darkest <laughs> secrets on a stage. Like yeah. that's can't be good advice, right? No, it's so not good advice. What's that balance as a leader, as a, as a pastor? Yeah. transparency, but not just like, here's what's going on today, you know? Okay. So here's the real deal. So I tell the church, um, a part of my story. Mm. I tell a wife, um, a part of my story and I tell, uh, two men, all of my story and there, and people will go, you don't tell your wife everything. That was my first thought. No, I don't. Not because I want to hold back, um, from her. But still out of fear, still out of, I'm not sure she'll be okay. You know, there's a lot of issues there. And so the question that I, that I press people, especially who are wanting to move into deeper relationships is does somebody Mm. know everything? One person that you trust and listen, trust is a, I mean, nobody's God and God's not going to go around. And once you tell him, your, your, him, your stuff, he's not gonna go around and tell the prophet in your church or something, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> you know, Oh, Steve told me this. So here, here I'm going to tell this guy over here. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. Mm. But we're not sure if someone else won't do that. Right. We're not sure. Well, if I tell, if I tell Greg, my deepest, darkest secrets, right. Will he, I mean, I trust him, but you know, right. There's always a chance. And so it's super risky. Um, but I, I rather have someone know everything than, than, than not. Um, I much rather have that. The risk is well worth, uh, the gain I think so in transparency. Would you consider that to be the main catalyst for this whole idea of being wholehearted? Cause your first of three points, so to speak this last week and was to own your own brokenness, to understand yeah. it. is that, do you really feel like once that happens, that this is a launching point into a wholehearted love and relationship with yeah, God? Yeah. Cause it's the lights on. I, I mean, even if, even if God knows everything and, but I'm holding stuff back, we're not in a, we're not in a relationship. <laughs> we're not, you know, I mean, we're, we, we're, we've gone so far, but we're, we're hedging our bets. And I, and this idea of going once I, once the light comes on in my life, you guys, I, I can breathe. Mm-hmm. I can breathe. I can feel like, not that now, okay, everything's done. I just told somebody and now I don't have to work on anything. It's not that, but it's just a sense of, okay, there's not this, there's not something hanging on my shoulder on my back, clinging to me that nobody knows. And there's somebody in my life that I trust that's helping me walk through the challenges that I face. How do you find people that want to know? Yeah. Because and for me, when, that's a good question. <laughs> there's a lot of times where I don't want to hear somebody's stuff. As even as a pastor, sometimes I kind of want to keep that at arm's length. Yeah. Because then that's a burden. Then I have to check up on that. I have to be aware of that. 
sometimes it's better just to be like, you know, I'm sure you have struggles. I don't know what they are, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. How, the how the, people, the people I'm most worried about are the ones that want to know everything. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I stay away from them. I like, oh, you're not going to know everything, buddy. You know? um, but I do find, I, I try to look for people who are genuinely care about me. They ask me more questions about me than they tell me about them. Mm-hmm. So I look for people like that initially um, because in the role I am, I'm constantly asking others, how are you doing? And yeah. so when I'm doing that and I find that that person doesn't really answer my questions but continues to reflect back, how are you, Steve? How are you, Steve? And they really are, you know, they're authentically wanting to know, but not because they want to be in, you know, in my, in my stuff, but they genuinely care. So that's one thing. But to be honest, um, a counselor has been, for me, the best person. It's safe. Um, it's there. I mean, they legally can't say anything. There's protection there. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I've started that I've started there more often than somebody just in the church or what, whatnot. And God's given, God will give you people that will walk alongside you that you can be somewhat transparent with, but I'm, I like the idea of a counselor and I know it's expensive, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's, I think it's still worth it. A lot of what's helped me with that entire process as well is, is, because I, I've found myself really wanting to hide a lot of things from, from other people and then thinking, well, I want to say something like you're talking about, but I don't want them to judge me or to, to, you know, everything that we've talked about. And then I realize one of my biggest problems and the reason that I feel that way is that I've judged other people that have wanted to come up and talk to me, you know, like you were talking about, there's, we've had students or we've had people in our lives where I have, I've thought they've shared everything and I've gone, Whoa, (laughs) you know, well, this is very different now, you know, which isn't, it's not the response that we're supposed to have. And so sometimes I think those, those moments of honesty, those things where we need to open up our heart really even starts with kind of the opposite end of the spectrum of, am I full of grace? Am I full of forgiveness? And am I open to understanding the brokenness of other people? And then maybe if I get rid of this mindset, then I'm not worried that everybody else is going to judge me because it's not in my heart as much anymore. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think it, you know, being sure that we are being confidential when people come to us. Cause yeah. that's another thing where it's like, well, I know that sometimes I say something, exactly. maybe not spell it out, but I, you know, so really holding those confessions as sacred yeah. and even like a counselor would. And I, I think yeah. your openness, Bo's openness about um, your experiences with a uh, therapist in counseling. Yeah. I think it's been a huge win over the last two years yeah. just to allow people to say, Oh, this isn't a stigmatized thing that I need counseling. I need therapy. Yeah. We all need therapy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> there is a truth to that. And I think we have a list of people at the church that we recommend people to. We have a lot of therapists actually that attend our church and there, there are, there are therapists that are good and you need to do some research because there are some that are very humanistic and are probably not the, you know, so anyways, I would say to people out there, do your homework, find out what they actually believe, what practice they, they do, where they've been educated, all that stuff. And, and back to the idea of how do we hold people's confessions? I think that we have to be careful too. People will come up to me and they will, they will assume that I'm the guy mm-hmm. that they need to confess to. Maybe this is just unique to pastors. I don't know, but I would imagine for others as well. If you don't have the capacity to really care for that person and walk with them through their brokenness, then you need to make sure they know that. Yeah. That when somebody starts to unload to me and say, oh, "Man, I got this brokenness," I'm very much grace oriented, and oh man, you know, I'm with them, and it's in confidence and all that. But I, I will if I know that I cannot meet with them every other week like they would with a counselor. I tell them that you know this is not going to to be the answer. It's an answer. It's a first step for many, but you need to get consistent help. And I would say that if you're no, if you don't have the capacity to help someone walk through their brokenness, then 
you almost want to cut them off when they start going down that road because it's it's pretty vulnerable oh, stuff. Definitely cut them off. <laughs> <laughs> I think you, I, yeah, you just don't want to, and especially if you are somebody that feels like you can't hold on to that, you don't have the capacity for it. You just have to stop because then you, it's not only are you going to be possibly giving somebody an unhealthy or untrue diagnosis, but then you are going to view that person in a different light that you were never intended to view. Them yeah, in. and for me, I I have a list, an actual list of people that I am constantly available to. I think there's nine guys on that list, uh, including Ben and Spencer who work on my team. I want to make sure I'm obviously available to them. But then uh, these seven other guys that, uh, you know, I, I just, I want to be open with, like you call me day or night and I'm going to be emotionally and mentally and mm-hmm. I'm exactly. available uh, in relationship. And I think there's a limit to how many absolutely there's a limit, and you have to have that kind of a list. And I love that you have that, Evan, because it's it, it will because if you say yes to everybody else, what you're doing is you're saying no to those nine guys that God's brought into your life to be that for the, for. And I think um, the more yeses we say to helping people walk through brokenness, the more um, no's we're saying to other people that God has actually brought into our life. Now the ca- caveat there is that we want the whole church saying yes, right. Mm-hmm. Right. Find who are the people, even if it's just one other person that you're the yes to, you know, when someone, when that person comes to you, you're all in, um, and you're confidential and you're not going to spread it out around and all of that. Who's the one to 10 people? I would say no more than 10. You know, I think that's a max, but, um, yeah, everybody's saying yes, will actually achieve what we're trying to do in creating a culture of openness and honesty. And then it doesn't always come back to you as the lead pastor needs to listen to and, and personally pastor you know, everybody in the church. Yeah. Right. Like no, that is no. not possible. Yeah. yeah. So this is the only way, right? It's not possible in a church of 50. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the reality. Yeah. And I think pastors feel the pressure of that. And, uh, and so I would tell pastors, you know, get people on board with this. I would tell the people in other churches, stop bringing all this stuff to your pastor. Um, you know, there's other people that God's brought into your life that you can share with. And that's such a tough thing. I don't know where we kind of created that expectation that this is what the pastor does, but it was a big reality to me just starting in ministry. You know, I enjoy speaking and teaching and stuff like that. And then people would come up to me with, with all these problems. (laughs) It was like this shock of like, Whoa, I'm just here to talk. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. This wasn't part of the job description in my opinion. I don't know where this all came from. And, and some of that is, you know, that I needed to grow up and, and learn a lot of things. Uh, still do, but a, a lot of it was just that fact that that we don't have the capacity for all of this, and and it is amazing how how sometimes, and I, I understand where people are coming from sometimes, but even in a church with several thousand like we have, that it's if I could just talk to Pastor Steve, yeah, and yeah. even as as we as staff were like, man, Pat, he's not going to have all of your answers, no. he's not even going to have no. all the time available for you, yeah, that's, and I think I think the confessional booth is kind of you know, going way back is part of the problem because we, we just assumed I can walk into a booth and, and it's, and how hard would it be to walk into that booth, by the way? I mean, that's like, are people watching? I mean, they know I'm going (laughs) in here to confess my sins, but then the priest is, is on the other side with this huge barricade. And then the priest says, well, go do this and you'll be absolved. We all know that's not how life works. Right. It's like this stuff we carry with us and we need someone to walk with us, not just go say, you know, and that, and I, and I appreciate that confession is still a part of the Catholic church. I think we could learn a lot from mm-hmm. that because I think we need to be people who confess, people who are quick to confess. Um, and so we need to pick up some of that, but I think we've, we've, uh, put all that on the pastors. Mm. And in, um, 
a church like this, uh, in, in any church, I suppose, I think there's an opinion or a feeling like, well, you're just, you just show up on Sundays and preach, right? So you have the rest of the time available. Why can't I come sit in your office at any moment's notice, you know? Yeah. And uh, kind of a misunderstanding of exactly what it entails to lead a church or to be a pastor in a church yeah. uh, of any size, but especially of a large church, there's a lot that goes on beyond just showing up on a Sunday morning. Yeah, people don't like this, Evan. This is the hard part about <laughs> pastoring. because, But, I, but I, I take people back to Acts chapter 6. Imagine a widow who's not being fed, um, you know, and everybody else is getting food that because they they were sharing all their food, and so there's these widows are not getting fed, and Peter comes up to that widow and says, "Ah, I'm sorry, I gotta I gotta go preach, I gotta go study, I gotta go pray, I gotta go be with Jesus," and she's not getting any food. Imagine how she must feel when Peter says that. But thankfully, Peter had the wherewithal based on, because of the Spirit to say, "Oh, but here's seven guys who, or gals that are making sure." you get fed. Um, and, and that, but we've lost that. We've kind of put everything on the pastor and uh, expect them to do all of it, even though from the very beginning, that was never the strategy. And the thing is, it's not that it doesn't, it just, it's not just about it not working that way. It actually works way better. The exactly. Other way. Ben. Yeah. That, that's the yeah. thing is it's running at the ultimate capacity when we're all grabbing a hold of this and we're doing uh, what you termed it. Even in your message, you talked about the gospel working in the trenches, which kind of gets yeah. back to what Bo was talking about with, with that gritty gospel. Yep. That's all of a sudden where the church becomes mobile and it becomes in people's space just because uh, there is no staff that you could create that could find and reach every single need in the community that we have around us. It's about getting the church in the trenches. It's about getting the community into the trenches. Yeah, and if somebody comes to you and, and they confess something and and, they've, and tr- they feel like you're someone they can trust, you feel like you're that person to say yes to them, sometimes it's just simple prayer. Sometimes that's where you start is like, let's just pray because you got to get people connected to the source of health. And that's not your good idea or what you think or any, it's, it's the source of help and that's Jesus and his word. And I think as a, if, if someone came to me and I do have people just like Evan who come to me and they're the people that I say yes to, I don't try to give them, you know, these lofty words of wisdom that will change everything. I don't know anything. And so I'm broken too. And so I just, Keep bringing people back to Jesus. Keep bringing people back to Jesus. And maybe there's a scripture that comes to mind. Open up that scripture and let that just soak over the person. I think it's we try to complicate it a lot. We try to give all the best answers, and we really don't have the answers. And some of my worst mentoring moments have been when I just have the best advice. <laughs> and it goes so – it's not received. It's terrible. It's – you know, and it blows up in the way I did. And so even in recent years and months – I think is my journey of growing up into a better pastor has been like what you're saying. You don't come with just loads and loads of advice and here's what I'm going to really drive home and the yeah. points I'm going to make. No, it's, it's not that it's walk with Jesus, you know, follow Christ as, or I'll follow Christ and you follow me. Like Paul said to Timothy, yeah. Yeah. it's a whole different thing than just, okay, here's my six points that I thought for you and would it, be good for you to do. It speaks to the truth of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it, I've been broken for the last few months thinking about how much I just want to neglect the Holy Spirit these days. Because if my message is good enough and my organization is good enough and my worship is good enough, then people will, will 
will be impacted by what God is doing. And that's, that's the thing. When I come into those conversations that you're talking about, where I just want to have the answers, I have to have this, this presence about me that just says, look, when you don't have the answers, it's not just not having the answers. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and fill a gap. Yep. And I think there's so many successful people in Bend and Central Oregon that can that can ride on the on the wisdom that they have because of their success, on the experiences that they have, and all that's good. And there is things that God will use with that. But um success, I believe, is the is one of the greatest deterrents to openness and honesty. Mm. Because the more successful you appear to be on the outside in business or in church or in whatever it is in school, then you're going you end up oh, I'm, I'm good. Everybody and everybody thinks you're good. And so then all of a sudden and then they come to you for advice and you actually don't know anything. Right? I mean, that's yeah. gonna be helpful to that person. And I think it's being open and honest even about that. And I think this has echoes all the way back to like Cain and Abel, you know, here's Abel who is listening to the voice of God and brings the obedient sacrifice. Cain kind of feels like, I got, I got this, you know, Mm -hmm. I can bring a good offering. Um, And I think that, that sin finds its way into our churches today. Yeah. You know, Hey, we've got it pretty much going on. We have everything we need. And uh, it's that self-sufficiency that I think is the greatest enemy to everything that cross stands for. You know? exactly. And you don't want to own your own brokenness. Yeah. I've got an uncle that is a pastor in Vegas, and he said he's actually made a ministry around his desire to, to help rich people. And when he first came up with that, I was like, that sounds backwards. <laughs> like, what is your problem? You're in Vegas. Shouldn't you be ministering to prostitutes or, you know, gambling addicts or alcoholics? And he's like, man, there's something about a lot of the rich people that even come into our church. He said it's, it's, and maybe he said, I'm sure some of them have given their lives to Christ once upon a time, but there's just this block that they've created in their lives with the success. They've set it up and they don't see the brokenness anymore because it can be covered up with all of that success or the finances or whatever it is. And and he said, you can look at them right in the eye and go, man, you need Jesus. And they go, no, yeah, I got him. It's right here. I don't have anything to fix. It's all set up for me. And I think we have to be careful too that it's... we're recognizing everybody's broken and everybody's broken in different ways. And, and some people will, will be so broken. They'll be like, I don't even know where to start. Mm. I don't, where do I even, I mean, I've got this issue. I've got that issue. I've got this. And the list is long. And what I'm finding is that take on one thing at a time. Mm. Just don't, don't, you know, God's not going to like unload and go, oh, you got to change everything in your life right now. It's like, what's that one thing that maybe it's like, you know, when somebody, I give an idea in a meeting and somebody, you know, tears apart the idea and I walk away feeling rejected. Okay. Well, bring that one, just this, that one, bring that one to God, to somebody that you trust and go, I don't know why I react that way, but it's really, it's like hurting, you know, it's, and so what do I do about that? Because it's, I think it's, it's overwhelming when you think about the complexities of our problems sometimes and just to go after the one thing. And try to avoid the hyperventilation of overcoming all of the, <laughs> the things at once. I've had those moments. It's been really tough actually. And it's been fleeting, you know, but being a dad of two kids, sometimes my flaws really come out and, you know, my impatience or uh, something that has been a part of my life forever that has never seemed like a big deal. But now that I have kids, it seems magnified and quiet moments all by myself. Sometimes I can start to kind of, Oh my gosh, like I'm now I'm a horrible dad, <laughs> you know, and it seems like the world comes crashing down you on, on, on you in a few moments. And it can be that way in our lives too. All of these things from our past and our experiences can come crashing down on us. And all, and it seems like this mountain we could never mm-hmm. possibly overcome. And some of those 
parts of brokenness that you guys are speaking to, whether it be insecurity, um, anxiety, feelings of inadequacy as a dad or a husband or a parent, you know, all these things sometimes get overlooked because we're always thinking about like, you know, um, issues of addiction and uh, anger and are you, you know, abusing your kids or, and yeah, those are sins of course, but there's also brokenness that falls outside of the category of just straight up sin that I think Jesus also wants to fix. He also wants to make us whole. Absolutely. There, I mean, most things, most things are not sin. Let's be honest. I mean, come on. I mean, it's like, and to be, and to be honest, I mean, does it, does it matter? If it's categorized as sin or right. not, I mean, does it really matter? At the end of the day, we're broken. Okay, yeah. we're broken, and right. so I think that us trying to categorize levels of brokenness does damage to so many people, and it causes the people who are we would term less broken to not deal with their brokenness, and it causes the people who are more broken, what well, we would call them more broken, to go like be overwhelmed yeah. by their brokenness. So it's like, oh, let's stop categorizing brokenness and just re- and and go, okay, man, there's things, there's even little things, little tweaks that I need to make in my life, mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit's, what I know about the Holy Spirit, He's not going to let us off the hook. If we're genuine and really true to Him and want to be like Jesus, if there's just a little thing that I'm less kind to someone. Um, if I'm awake, he's going to tell me that I, I mean, I've talked, I've, I've been in a meeting and I'll, and I'll react poorly to someone on, on the team. And it was right that I said it. It was not good the way I said it. Mm-hmm. And I'll walk out of that meeting. And if I'm awake spiritually, I'll hear the spirit just softly give me a little check in my heart going and, and I won't be able to get rid of it until I go and tell that person and, and ask for forgiveness and all of that. And typically that person is like, well, you didn't do anything wrong, you know, but it's all, but it's in me. And I, and Jesus is about creating someone, not that's, that is better acting better, but someone that's more like him. And even just getting out of the brokenness of indifference for me has been a big deal. I mean, I'm a, I'm a white American male that lives in Bend, Oregon, and there is not a lot of elections or a lot of things that are going to come down the pike that are going to dramatically impact my life on the day to day, aside from how much money I might have to pay for this and that. Right. And, and I've found myself so guilty when it comes to national issues or international issues of just being indifferent. I just don't care. Yeah. It's not showing up on my front porch. And so I'm not giving any attention or, or paying any attention to it. And I think that is something that is, is something for, for me to watch in my own heart as I walk through this thing with God, that it's not just about, I have to make this tweak or I have to fix this problem. All those are important too. It's fixing the problem of indifference. I can't be indifferent anymore when I have an opportunity to bring God's justice or to, to be a part of healing around me. That's really good, Ben. And, the, and that came because I'm, I'm certain that because of your relationship with God, because if you're leaning in to the work of God in your life and he's highlighted something yeah. in you that he just, he wants to do a little massaging on. He wants to like, let's, let's loosen up your heart a bit so that yeah. you're not as indifferent towards, towards those that are not in your life. You right. Know, the, and those, those are shocking things. Cause I, you know, there's, you know, we've had issues with pornography and, you know, sexual sin and things I've said to people that are so obvious and out there. And here's something that I've been doing all my life, being indifferent and God opens the door and I'm like, whoa, Oh, this was not, where did this come from? This wasn't a problem a second ago and now it is. And, and I think it's important to lean into those things. Sometimes those things surprise you, but it's not the worst thing in the world. You know, it's something that God can bring you through. Ken Johnson, the former lead pastor here would use the example of veneer and how, um, you know, you have this beautiful wood, wood table that underneath all of the layers of 
stuff that we've done to it. You know, I mean, it's just the paint and the stain and this and that, and maybe we've covered it and there's a beauty underneath all of that. But what it takes is the gentle hand of the spirit just coming in and he doesn't take all of it off at once. You got to take it off by layers. And I think that is good um, to know is that he doesn't, he just, he looks at the top layer a lot of times. The thing that's just the, the, the thing that's keeping you back, the thing that's most evident, let's just work on that one. And then, you know, a year later, um, you find, okay, now there's another thing, you know, and it's just, there's just these layers that he's trying to get to the real you, the one that he made, the one that he had in mind when he, when he formed you in the womb, that's what he's trying to get to. And, uh, and culture and society and the family we grew up in and my own mistakes and the stuff that was done to us, those are all that puts layer upon layer upon layer of other things over the true us. And I think God's just, he's patient, kind and compassionate and works so just good. layer by layer. Yeah. And I know this, that, um, the more that the church can be aware that you, Steve, others of us that are pastors here are with them in this journey. That it's not something that we have long ago accomplished. And now we're going to share with you, but this is something that, that we walk through too. We are walking through our brokenness. We are falling on the altar, so to speak, and saying, God, you know, uh, examine my heart. It refined me. I mean, these are our prayers too. Um, and I think, uh, every time these kind of things are preached on, I'm overwhelmed by people that come up and just feel so liberated because they realize they're not alone in in where they're at, uh, trying to find wholeness. Yeah, I had, I had a guy um, came up to me um, after one of the services this last weekend, and uh, he had already listened to um, the reason why he's at our church is because he listened to the "What Would Jesus Say to Ellen?" message from like three, almost four years ago. I think yeah. it's been four years now, but he listened to that message. You felt so drawn to our community because um, he's living in a same sex relationship, and and so he's at our church, and with tears in his eyes, Evan, he said, he said, "I'm broken." And I'm so glad that I'm accepted here and that I'm welcome here, even though I'm not living like you all probably think I should live. I mean, I think that was something like that, the phrase that came out of his mouth. And I, and, and I, and I'm just like, yeah. And it's not our job. We are not the Holy Spirit. It's not my job to highlight everything in this guy's life that he needs to work on. Yeah. But we like to be the Holy Spirit in people's lives, yeah. don't we? And I, I, we just need to trust that as we get, as we help people connect with Christ, the Spirit of God is going to come and, and He's going to do that work. He's going to be the one that highlights things. Now, does God use people close in our lives to highlight things? Absolutely. Right. I'm not saying that he doesn't, but it's always the work of the Spirit. Yeah. And it's always the people that are closest to us that know the most about us that should, if they feel something from God, to say to you, man, I hope they have. I hope you've given them the freedom to tell that to you without reacting poorly, without, <laughs> without getting defensive, and, without, and just allowing yourself to take that and then take it back to God and, and, and dialogue with him about it. So. And some of that is just not getting bored with the gospel. Yeah, I think that right. I, somebody told that to me once upon a time and said, well, if you're going to be a good preacher, don't get bored with the gospel because that's when things get hairy because you, yeah, know, cause you right. get tired of talking about the Holy Spirit and the greatness and the great grace and sufficiency of Jesus. And you want to start making up your own answers to problems that are, are God intended to, for his spirit to come and to bring answers and, and healing into those moments. And so then that's for everybody. That's, that's right. for people going to church. That's for pastors. That's for leaders. Don't ever get bored with the gospel because that's when you start making up your own little pet theology that you want to follow for the rest of your life. 
Yeah, it's good. Well, I want to encourage if you, uh, as a listener, haven't heard this past weekend's message, definitely one worth listening to at westsidechurch.org. And uh, we're always online at behindthemessage.org. We'll see you next week as we're back with uh, Suzanne Mickle, your wife, yeah, Steve. Be great. And she brings a message on grace. Suzanne, that's going to be...